Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. We're on the topic of love uh, for the next few weeks. And, you know, you think about the topic of love, and it, uh, it has a way of transcending time, uh, culture, and geography. Uh, love is one of those things that, that calms the, the worst of the worst of storms that come into our lives. It brings joy, and uh, I love what the Bible says, that love covers the multitude of sins. And love, again, is timeless. I read a story this week about uh, Bessie, who loved a young man named Basil. This is in the 1600s. Uh, they had fallen in love, and their love was young, and it was passionate, and Basil was in uh, Oliver Cromwell's army. And he happened to desert uh, Oliver, Oliver Cromwell's army. And the penalty for that was death. They captured him and they sentenced him to death. And, and he was to be um, hanged uh, at the ringing of the curfew bell. Just to remind everybody else, you don't desert the army. And Bessie wasn't going to have that. And so uh, Oliver Cromwell happened to be out on uh, on business and would be coming back late. And so at that evening, uh, she approached the bell ringer and she begged the bell ringer not to ring the bell so that her, that her fiance would not, would not perish. And he had to follow orders, so he refused to uh, grant her the request. And so what Bessie did was she climbed the uh, bell tower to the very, very top and she grabbed hold of the clapper of the bell, and when the bell ringer went to ring the bell at curfew in the evening time, the clapper uh, basically trapped Bessie between its weight and then the bell itself, and as he began to ring the bell, it began to beat her body mercilessly. And Cromwell comes, uh, General Cromwell comes about this time uh, back into camp and, and kind of understands that there's this, you know, thing going on that's, that's happening, and so he he calls her down from the bell tower, and he sees her beaten and bruised body, and uh, he has mercy on her because of what she would do for, for love. And he actually pardoned young Basil Underwood. And everybody loves a good love story, right? We, we love to hear what men and women will do for the sake of love. We love to hear what God does for the sake of love for us. We love to know that God loves us. And so whether you're in love right now or whether you have lost love, you're struggling in love, you're married, you're single, or you're divorced, this series is intended for really for us to look at, number one, how God loves us, and then number two, how we're called to love each other, inside the context of a marital relationship or outside the context of a marital relationship. And it will help us to love each other in a better fashion. And the, the Bible's big on the topic of love. It talks about how important it is. And 
It really, kind of the signature passage that the Bible uses, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've gone to a, a wedding, you've probably heard this passage read. And so I'm going to start out by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. You can turn in your Bibles or go to your U version and pick it up there. But it says these words, Paul's speaking these words to the church in Corinth, which is a mess, right? The spiritual gifts are exploding on the scene. They really are talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And Paul is saying, hey, you guys are fighting over which gift is the best gift. You're coming from a really corrupt perspective because you're in a corrupt city and, and there's you know, hierarchy within the context of how you've been living in the past and there is no hierarchy when it comes to the kingdom of God except for the fact that God alone sits on the throne. And he's saying, listen, of all the stuff that is happening, I want to show you a more excellent way. And he said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And he uses this if uh, <laughs> uh, word a lot in this passage of Scripture. He said, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what he's saying is, is life without love, it's a wasted life. He's saying, I am nothing without love. Life without love, he's saying, is meaningless. I gain nothing. Well, what does the Bible say about this topic of love? Well, first of all, it's really clear that God is the author of love. He invented love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 clarifies that. It says these words, let us love one another for love, and there, there it is right there, love comes from, it says, God. So love comes from God. He's the author and creator of God. And then he says, everyone that loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so when we are not loving, we're in a pretty bad position in pretty bad state, this passage tells us. And love is a basic component of the DNA of God's nature. So many of us have had this opinion of God. Um, this should rule the day. That God is a loving and good God because it's in his nature. Everything God does is motivated by his love. Love of God, right? And then God is love. And we know that God invented love. What else do we know about love? Well, we know that it's multifaceted, right? Love is, love is definitely multifaceted because the Bible gives us a ton of different examples of what love looks like. Because in our language, we have one word, love, and it describes a whole lot of things. But when you get in the text of Scripture, love is pictured in the caring provision of Boaz and Ruth, that story where Boaz takes care of Ruth and then ends up marrying her and becomes the kinsman redeemer. And, uh, you know, the question is asked is, what, what is Boaz w without Ruth? And the, the answer to that question is he's ruthless. Uh, I'll be here all day. I'll be here all day. I'll be here all day. Love's a deep friendship seen in the story of David and Jonathan, where Jonathan 
so loved David that he would put David above himself, even, it, even when it came to asserting his authority uh, and the anointing that God has had on David's life. Love seen in the passionate uh, words of Solomon as he wrote Song of Solomon, right? When you read the, that passage, that book of the Bible, there's a lot of saucy stuff in that, that, those passages of Scripture. It's the enduring commitment that, that uh, Hosea shows his wife Gomer when she leaves him and keeps leaving him again and again and again, and God gives us this picture of how he keeps chasing after the children of Israel when they're unfaithful to him, and so it gives us this picture of this enduring commitment that God has to us when we step out on him. It's also seen in the fatherly, fatherly love when you look at some of the pictures of discipleship and you see Paul taking young Timothy under his wing and, and mentoring him in the faith, and so we see that as a, as a facet of love. And then ultimately, we see what love is in the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. There's no greater love than to lay down your life, it talks about in Scripture, for a friend. So we know that love is invented by God, and we know it's multifaceted. We also know that love is complicated, okay? Facebook didn't invent that. Love is complicated. Matter of fact, in the Bible, there are different words used for love. One of the words describes a affectionate, more of a parental type of love. It's a type of love. There is friendship, uh, a type of love that's more in kin with friendship, phileo, the city of Philadelphia, brotherly love, named after that, that particular word. There is uh, eros, which is a, a term for erotic or sensual, sexual type of love. And the type of love that God has and the type of love that God displays is called agape love. It's this unselfish love that gets extended to us in such a way that it pursues us, relentlessly pursues us, even when we're on the run. And so we ask this question, what is love? It's the best answer is not going to be found in Wikipedia. You're not going to find it in the dictionary. The best definition of love is demonstrated in the most important event in human history. The day that Jesus willingly allows himself to be placed on the cross and sacrificed for us. It's the day that love, remember the story of Bessie, it's the day that love got in the way. Jesus invested himself into human form and became a sacrifice so that we could be in relationship with God the Father and Christ's example of sacrifice is the ultimate example of what love looks like. That is agape love, where it says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, why we were still sinners heading down our own path, doing our own thing against God's ways, Christ still died for us. He didn't wait for us to come to him and beg, beg him for forgiveness. He established that forgiveness was available before we were even asking for it. And Jesus' love is this, it's called a cruciform love. And think about that word, cruci would be cross and form would be shape of, and Jesus stretches his arms out wide because that's what love required. And so when sacrifice is required, okay, love sacrifices. Jesus goes to the cross and goes to hell and back so that we could be in relationship with God the Father because that's what love required. And that kind of tenacity in love is the kind of love that God has called us to walk in 
when it comes to us loving each other. It's a cruciform type of love where we sacrifice for each other, for the good of each other, with our words, with our actions, with our responses. We love better because Jesus showed us how to love better. Agape is willing to sacrifice and be a sacrifice for the good of another person. If you're in a committed relationship, if you're in a friendship, you know what sacrificial love is all about. Agape is interesting because there is this form of love that we see in the world that is a cheap imitation of agape, but agape love, it doesn't require reciprocation. It doesn't require the other person to give it back. It doesn't require the person to, uh, that's being loved to, to love the way that they're being loved. It just continues to love. Agape love is this higher type of love that God calls us to aspire to that's this generous, open-handed, never-ending love that seeks the best for the one that it loves. No matter what the one that it loves is doing, it seeks to love at a higher level. You ask the question, well, who is the one that we're called to love? Everyone. Everyone. Love, I love what Thomas, Thomas Merton said. He said, love not only prefers the good, of, the good of another to its own, but it doesn't even compare the two. Oftentimes we're like, if you do this, then I'll do this, and then if you do this, I'll do this, and then if you do this, we'll get here. Love, does not prefer, love not only prefers the good of another to its own, but it doesn't even compare the two. It has only one good, that of the beloved. To love another is to will what is really good for them. And man, that can be painful. Because some of us are looking through this, looking at this through the lens of what we're facing right now. Because we've got a runaway love in our life. We may have a a prodigal that's difficult to love. We may have a marital situation that is an incredible challenge. We may have a divorce situation in our past. We may be wrestling with love in a relationship right now, and we're viewing this through the lens of how God loves us. Listen, what God calls us to be in the context of love is be the best version of Jesus that we can possibly be. If God loves us this way, then our call is to love in the same way that we are loved. Galatians 5.14 kind of sums it up. It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And agape love, man, it's just not easy. People are hard to love. People make it extremely difficult to love. I have trouble loving people sometimes. And I'm confident though, this is what helps, I'm confident though, people have trouble loving me sometimes. Right? Yeah, I know, shocking. People have trouble loving you sometimes. But if we're committed to loving each other the way that God has loved us, that takes away the barricades and the boundaries and all that nonsense that the world calls us to put up. It's not easy, doesn't come naturally because we lean towards selfishness and self-preservation. 
Agape love is characterized by unselfishness and giving to the point of sacrifice. It's, a, it's an unconditional kind of love. It's not based on performance. And so much of what we see in regards to how the, how the world determines what love is and what, what love is not is based on performance. 1 John 4, 9 says, listen, we love because he first loved us. And if we're unwilling to agape love each other, people who are made in God's image, how can we truthfully say that we love God? Agape love's empowered by Christ and his example. Think about Christ on the cross who's like, some of his last words, forgive him, Dad. They don't know what they're doing. That's Jesus on the cross. That's what agape love looks like. And we're commanded to forgive. There needs to be more agape in this world, and if there was more agape in this world, there'd be more unity in this world. And agape love is not based on feelings. Jesus said it this way. This is where feelings kind of come out of play because the world has dumbed down love to just feelings and rights. But Jesus said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, it's not a question, like this is a command. You and I must love one another by this, and this is the beautiful thing about it, this is the Acts 2 experience. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What made the church so attractive in Acts chapter 2 was how they loved each other. Rich people loved poor people. Races loved different races. There was diversity. Men and women, right, sat at the same table as equals, right? Society had elevated men in that day over women. And so it's like Paul talks about, it's like we're all one in Christ. And the world was watching the Acts 2 experience going, this has never been seen before on planet Earth, and they loved it. And it's my, it's my feeling that if we as a church could start modeling that, the world would love it again. What is love? He said, well, and then he gives a list of things, what love is and what isn't. He says, first of all, love is patient. How many of you are patient? Like, that's a, you're like super patient. You got patience down. Like, how many got that down? Wow. I need to go to school at your house. Patience is a struggle for me. It's a challenge. It's right out of the gate. And when it comes to love, he's saying, listen, love must be patient. Too often love is impatient. Impatience wants what it wants right now. When I'm coming up to a stoplight, I want to be in the front. I want to get ahead. What is that? Impatience. Impatience wants what it wants now. Impatience, it, it wants to take shortcuts. A lot of times in life, I just wanted to get there, and so I try to take shortcuts. People try to do that relationally. They take shortcuts. Love is patient. Trust takes time to build. Intimacy and understanding, it takes time. Be patient. 
Impatience takes shortcuts and it shortcuts the process. Impatience wants to be first. Impatience views time as the enemy. The clock is ticking. Pedal to the metal. Patience relaxes, takes it easy, takes it the right way. Impatience gets ahead of a healthy process. How many of us have got ahead of a healthy process because we were impatient? That happens so often in relationships. We get impatient with each other and we don't allow the other person to have the time that they need for God to take them through a process. And what impatience does is it gets ahead of God. That's that's the most dangerous thing of impatience. It gets ahead of God. It gets ahead of his plan. It gets ahead of the way that he's called us to operate in the context of Scripture and relationships. And so we ask ourselves this question. When we're wrestling with the other person, are we patient like God is patient with us towards them? And when you start thinking about things that way, it kind of takes the steam out of the, out of the argument. It takes the venom out of things. Love is patient because the Lord is patient with us. It says in Numbers 14, 18, it says the Lord is slow to anger. This is what love is. <clears throat> the, lo- the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I love the description of the type of love, steadfast love, abounding in it. I'm in this. The patient love of the Lord is a love that forgives iniquity and transgressions. That is how we've been loved. Peter is talking to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, and he's like, listen, Jesus, he sets Jesus up. How many times should we forgive someone who offends us? Should we forgive them seven times? He's thinking he's big time because he's given him so much grace. Let him run the, you know, the, the, in the mistake lane seven times and then they're done. And Jesus is like looking at Peter going, no, it's seven times 70. It's you forgive so many times that you've lost count of how many times you've forgiven the other person. Love has a way of hanging in there, agape love does. Just like God has hung in there for us. Love has a a long fuse. Patience is talked about as being long-suffering. It means having a long fuse and a short memory. Man, if we had a long fuse and a short memory, our relational world would change instantly. That would change a lot of our relationships today if we would have a long fuse and a short memory. Love is patient with people. Love is patient in the middle of circumstances. Love is patient. This word, Patience describes a person who has been offended. And they have the ability to avenge themselves. But they won't. And they won't because the Lord has been slow to anger with them. And just like God, he's calling us to be slow to anger with others. Patience isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Edwin Stanton lived back in the days of Abraham Lincoln. He was a critic of Abraham Lincoln. He treated him with contempt. He called him a clown. He called him and named him the original gorilla. That's what he named Abraham Lincoln. 
Abraham Lincoln assumed the office of president and he made Edwin Stanton his minister of war. He treated him kindly. When asked, why would you make him your minister of war, Abraham Lincoln was like, I made him the minister of war because he was the best man qualified to do the job. And then day after day, Abraham Lincoln would speak kindly to Edwin Stanton. And then came that fateful day when, or fateful night when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, assassinated and, Ab- and Stanton looked down on Abraham Lincoln's body and he wept. Big crocodile tears. And he said, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. And now he belongs, and this is where we get that phrase, now he belongs to the ages. And the patient love of Abraham Lincoln had won over Stanton's heart. Love is patient. It's long-suffering. And while it's suffering, it doesn't become cynical, it doesn't become bitter, and then eventually become unkind. Love remains kind. And that's the next attribute. Love is kind. That means sweet to everyone. Is that a description of you? Man, they're just sweet to everyone. They're the nicest person in the world. They're gentle in spirit. They've got the best in mind for everyone. They always think optimistically about everyone. That person is so kind. The world would be a lot better place if we would adopt kindness in our world. And too many of us that call ourselves followers of Christ are frankly unkind. And the agape love of God allows us to have the freedom, matter of fact, it empowers us to have the freedom to be kind towards one one another without the fear of being hurt. And many of us, we aren't kind because we're afraid it's going to open the doors and we're going to get hurt. Normal human love, it's held closely, right? I said, a couple, I said a couple weeks ago that I'm more of a crock pot when it comes to relationships. And the truth of that is, and I think the Lord is kind of trying to call me into, you know, being a little more open in regards to my relationships. Because that's the agape love of Christ. It's kindness. It's not guarded. In most marriages, you think about marriages, they're contractually based You know, if you get married, you won't have this contract and it protects your rights. Contractually based marriage is you do this and then I'll do this. And if you keep doing this, then I'll keep doing this. Contractual marriages, they protect rights. And individuals are assigned responsibilities. But agape love, an agape marriage is different. It gives up rights and assumes responsibilities. And those are completely different. You need to think about that. We give up our rights and we assume responsibilities. We are going to be kinder than the other person is. We're going to be more loving than the other person is. We're going to push the needs and desires of the other person forward to the best of our abilities. Agape loving kindness empowers us to see ourselves as we are and to see the other person as they they could be. As we choose to love, we begin to see the good things in the other party, instead of focusing in on the negative things. And that's where our relationships get in trouble when we focus in on the negative things. Kindness, it catches people doing the right thing, looks for that every single day and speaks up about what it is. 
loving kindness that fosters forgiveness. We often catalog the failures of people along the way. We start building cases and we choose to know them by the things that they've done in their, their past. And as we choose to know people by what they've done in their past, we miss what they might become because sometimes some really great people are hidden behind some really great failures of the past. We had somebody even today that said this. They said, eight years ago, I came to this church in a drug buggy. I came here, his life was changed by the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. He'd lost a lot of things in life, and now eight years later, he's on the serve team here, and he's back in relationship with some broken relationships that were unmendable at that point. And God did this restorative work and continues to do this restorative work because that's what God does. He forgives us and he sets us free and he moves us into who he's called us to be. It's like in the book, in the book of Acts where, where Saul is out persecuting Christians and then he has his Damascus Road experience, this massive turnaround. And nobody wants, nobody wants Saul to come back into the, in the arms of fellowship. But Barnabas does. Barnabas takes a risk and he puts his arm around Paul and he says, no, God's done a work in his life, accept him, receive him. And agape love encourages those who have wrestled and failed to become who God has called them to be. And agape love, the loving kindness of God, compels us to be an incurable optimist when it comes to people. We'll never know who a person can be if we're holding on to the past, if we're holding them hostage to their past. Kindness is filled with hope and believes in the power of change. Love. Love is willing to make sacrifices for the good of the relationship without using it as leverage. Love is being willing to sacrifice to become the best version of Jesus that you and I could possibly be. Love is a commitment to say no to selfish desires. Love is kind and gentle in moments of conflict and never assaults the other person's character. Love is being the best encourager that you and I can possibly be. And love is a daily commitment to grow in selflessness. Love is being willing to have your life complicated by the needs and struggles of others without impatience or anger. Love is unwilling to manipulate, to get what it wants, and love is supportive and encouraging when life is demanding, and love is dependent upon God for the ability to model cruciform love. Let's love like we've been loved. Let's be patient because God has been patient with us, and let's be kind because God, he's been really kind to us. Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.